Hi, and welcome back to the Anti-Diet Club podcast, a show for those looking to heal the relationship with food and their body. I'm Gillian McCollum, one of your hosts. And I'm Tamsin Broster. We are anti-diet coaches on a mission to disrupt diet culture. And you can expect fortnightly episodes around topics such as body acceptance, intuitive eating and dismantling anti-fat bias. We share our own experiences and insights to help you discover a life outside of dieting. And you can follow us along on Instagram at the Anti-Diet Club podcast, and you can find details of how to work with us both in the show notes. So welcome back. Here we are, season three. Who would have known it? Um, We're really excited this season to be bringing in um, real life folks who have got stories to tell about their journeys with their bodies And this week we kick off with a fantastic guest who happens to be a friend of Tamsin's and uh, somebody who has really been through the mill and been spat out the other end. And we're really excited to to speak to her. That's what season three is going to be all about, right? Is um, talking to guests that we, you know, that maybe aren't professionals in this business that, that have a story to tell. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we always said at the beginning of this podcast when we began with season one that we really want this to be a space where people can feel um, like they are not alone in this journey and to hear stories by other people to get that feeling of, yes, this is how I feel. And maybe uh, maybe you don't have people in your own life that, that you can have these conversations with. So uh, if no one else, you can plug in your earphones and listen to us talk about the struggles that come with living um, this life as a human being in a body and um, how we can, you know, in, in various different ways, come to terms with the body that we're in this this idea of acceptance that we talk about um, and how that can end up looking from, from, um, you know, the, the hardship of where it began. So let's get straight to the episode and let's get chatting to Becca. Hello, welcome. We are here back on season three with our very first guest. And I am really, really excited about this guest because she is a friend of mine and lives just down the road. Um, (laughs) But the reason I wanted her on the podcast, or I spoke to Gillian about it, is not because she's my friend and she lives down the road, but because she has such an incredible story about her own recovery and her own relationship with her body and food and how this has played out in her personal life. And the the idea we had um, for season three was to connect with more real client stories. Now, Rebecca has not been a client of either of ours, but just has such an incredible story we really wanted to share because I think it's so important when you're going through this journey to hear other people who have been through it in a different way because it's just, it's just important to hear those real life stories um, rather than us just kind of talking about it theoretically. So welcome, Becca. Um, Hi, Welcome to the podcast. Do you want to um, introduce yourself and tell people just a little bit about you? Um, Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Tamsin said, she's a very good friend of mine from down the road. um, And she does make a wicked focaccia. Um, And she invited me on and I wanted to talk about um, how my relationship with my body or lack of relationship with my body when therefore lack of relationship with myself led to some really dreadful decisions obviously not all dreadful two beautiful children later um but my self-worth had a huge 
huge connection with the decisions I made with regards to relationships. Now, in lots of respects, that's paid dividends because I've ended up with my own coaching business um, as a divorce separation and family support coach, which is fantastic. But you know, that's a, a byproduct of what happened. But the actual what I went through itself was a really big deal and really painful um, and long. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about it. Would you mind taking us back to when you first realized that you were in a body that you had difficult feelings about? Oh, I'd say more than difficult feelings, Gillian. I'd say I hated it. Okay. And I think I was probably around 11. That's the, the most... That's the first time I really, really, I can remember thinking at sports day, I don't fit. Mm. I'm not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to Slimming World when I was 12. Wow, that's a young membership. <laughs> can you leave, And you've got half price in those days. Wow. And who was sort of, was that completely of your own volition did you decide that you it, this was just something that you had to fix or was it led by someone else? Was there someone in your life that was equally on board with this mission? Oh, I mean, I think what it ultimately comes down to was my mum's relationship with her own body. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of more background is that I, my great grandma was a Romanian farmer, six foot one. My granddad was six foot four, Romanian farmer. My mum was the daughter of that man, so was ultimately going to be five nine. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so here I am at five foot eight, you know. Um, we were built for strength. Yeah. Um, and my great granny, um, black granny as we called her, because she was permanently in mourning, um, was a big woman. But, but she wasn't dieting because she was born in like the late 1800s. Yeah. That all, if you think about that coming down through the generations, then my mum is born into a generation where unless you are a size and you're tiny weenie, you're wrong. So my my mum didn't do it on purpose on any level, but her lack of self-worth and self-love of her big body mm-hmm. automatically was going to come off on me. I was the most like her. Yeah. Um, so when I said I really hate my body, my mum was very much about, OK, you know, big girls. We're all yeah. big girls. I've been yeah. called a big girl my whole life. Um, and so when I said, well, I want to go to swimming world, mum's like, oh, yeah, good idea. Let's go. You right. know, she, she was really invested in, in oh. both, your, both your bodies being a problem. Right. Yeah. 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 We're big girls. Yeah. Big girls don't wear horizontal stripes, you know. Yeah, and there's something wrong with that. Even yeah. though what Hell you're yeah. saying is her parents were, you know, you were never going to be any other way genetically. No, no, genetically, this is what we all look like. We're all tall, like we're yeah. all tall and strong. Yeah. Um, And so there was definitely that element. But I completely and utterly forgive her. In fact, I don't think there's anything to forgive. She's having her own battles where her body is. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't anyone's fault. It was just what it was. The self-loathing from that point forward then became a a really big issue that I didn't realise was an issue until yeah. I realised it was an issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're age 12. At sports day, you 
you know, feel like this has become too big a problem. It needs to be fixed. You join Swim, Slimming World and then you're in a community of other people who are also mm. jumping on board with this idea that that these bodies are, are bad, wrong, incorrect. Mm. You've done something wrong. Um, they cannot be loved. So that's a really, really strong, this is a really strong community to be in among when you're 12 years old because you're so yeah. vulnerable and so you're able to be influenced so much at that age oh. by the people that you're around. So how yeah. did that play out? Well, also don't forget that I was, so in 19, I was 12 in 1991, which mm. was all very much around the world of the heroin chic, yeah. um, Kate Moss, all of that, all of that gang. So not only did I have the kind of slimming world and all that was going on there and you're not small enough, I also had these really tall but absolutely stick thin images. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just plays out in a really unhealthy relationship with food um, where I never, ever ate comfortably, if that makes sense. So I was very proud of the fact that at by the time I was about 14, I knew every calorific value of virtually every bar of chocolate that had ever been made, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would find food. Now I look back, food really, I loved food, I loved eating, but I punished myself continuously by getting involved, you know, doing really stupid regimes. I mean, I even did a very, very, very brief moment with laxatives. And it was, when I say brief, it was weeks um because I'd read somewhere not on the internet because it wasn't a thing then I'd read somewhere that that was an option for getting weight off quickly so you could eat what you wanted and take laxatives boom (laughs) yeah um and yeah by the time I was about 16 17 the body the, the my body wasn't right was so firmly in that I didn't realize it's really, really emotional actually going back and talking about it in this way because I really love my body now. I'm 43 and I'm so comfortable in it and I'm so grateful for the body I have. But I absolutely hated it on a such a deep level. I can't even begin to tell you, like, I fucking hated it. I wasn't good enough for boys. I wasn't good enough for certain friendships. I wasn't good enough for certain even down to like certain jobs and things I can remember thinking oh I'm not pretty enough to do that because I also had that on top that I was not a pretty girl because I was I was about a size in those days give or take roughly um but I also wasn't pretty so I was like in every element I it was just it was just a (laughs) no-go there was nothing and do you look back at photos now and think, yeah, I wasn't pretty and yeah, my body was a problem? Or how no. do you feel when you look back and see yourself now? Really emotion, really emotional. And it makes me just want to properly hug her up mm-hmm. and just go, you, you were so, you were so beautiful and you were so perfect, as perfect as anybody else. Yeah. And you, the punishment and the pain when I see those photos, I see somebody striving to look a certain way yeah. all the time. What do you think you missed out on? Well, first and foremost, I really missed out on healthy relationships with men, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I missed out on suntans because I wouldn't wear bikinis or swimsuits. Yeah. Um, 
I missed out on just just all the things that everybody at that point everybody else in their same age groups were taking for granted mm-hmm. do you mind saying more about the relationships with men part mm, of course well we say so I say this tongue-in-cheek now but we have to remember is when you absolutely fucking hate yourself and you feel like you're not good enough you will take whatever you're given yeah that was my view so just be grateful if a boy shows interest it's because you've got big boobs because I have got really big boobs um and so they were kind of my my secret weapon I had these massive boobs brilliant you know and so that I I met it meant that I just gave myself away far too freely Mm -hmm. yeah any kind of validation or show of affection or Mm. anything like that just meant like you had to grab hold of it because yeah this might be the only person that ever feels this way well I didn't have a it it sounds bonkers Gillian but I didn't have a choice Mm -hmm. like I don't get to pick and choose like all of my girlfriends were picking and choosing who they went out with oh no 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 no. that wasn't for me I had to take what I was given didn't matter how badly treated I was by these people these boys Mm -hmm. it didn't matter Mm-hmm. it didn't make any it didn't matter because that was my a big girl like me should be grateful for any attention yeah yeah any attention at all so how did that play out <laughs> terribly <laughs> no it didn't it wasn't all terrible um and there's lots now that I look back on and go that was amazingly good fun or that was a really I've I've had a very full life I've a done lots of stuff I've been very fortunate in the jobs I've done and all that kind of stuff um but where boys were concerned um I just took what I I was given um one really significant relationship um he was aesthetically one of the most beautiful men alive and he's still a very good looking boy now and I'm still in I still know him on through Facebook channels and the rest of it um and he was a serial cheater um like on the worst level possible and I never I just kept going he wouldn't commit to me that doesn't matter I'll just keep going because he showed interest once and generally there was something there was a spark there so I just hung on like a dog with a bone Mm -hmm. um and then you know it resulted in the end of the relationship being that he actually left me for somebody else who was pregnant by him Wow. So I was by the time this happened, I was about 22, nearly 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pain was enormous. The pain was enormous. Um, but there was still this part of me, believe it or not, that went, well, you know, come on, you eat too much. You never keep an eye on your way. You know, you're not you're not really skinny. So maybe if you go really skinny it'll be all right and that's exactly what I did Mm. starved myself literally starved myself one of my favorite meals at the time was one fish cake from Marks and Spencer's with a third of a coleslaw and like lettuce salad thing wow yeah do you think you ended up kind of like putting it on yourself as like it was totally your fault and actually if you just got something under control if you just got your body under control Mm -hmm. that that would fix everything Oh, like Tamsin, if I could have fixed my body at that point, that would have been the answer to everything. <laughs> mm. That would have solved. I, if, if I was a smaller body, I'd have had 
I'd have been even more successful at work. I would have had even better boyfriends. I'd have had even better social life and even better friends. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you just, you just internalize that, don't you? And we see all the time. felt the same in our own sort of journeys but yeah it's so it feels so real when you're in it and oh it feels like it's just the one thing that will change everything oh yeah well I think for me I'd be as bold to say as it was the the one thing that would change everything and it was the only thing that would change everything mm-hmm. if yeah. I could just be this size or this weight everything would be absolutely peachy but then when I couldn't reach that, then the real self-loathing. And I mean, I wouldn't look in a mirror. You know, they talk about, um, you know, people that can't look in mirrors and they can't. I could not look at my reflection in a, in a, even in a shop window. And f- what I'm picking up on there is that you did successfully manage to shrink your body. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah, you did. And when your body was smaller, did your feelings about it change? No, because I was completely fucked in the head because I was doing loads of recreational drugs. So (laughs) the one thing, you know, and I've never talked about this openly, but I'm happy. It's not it's not a problem. I was absolutely bang on amphetamine, the odd bit of coke, all of that. And it was very much of the culture as well at the time. Mm -hmm. I was a massive party girl, loved, still do really, but really loved a party in those days. Um, and so by doing loads of drugs, then I wouldn't want to eat for a few days. My weight, I mean, I went down to a magical size. Mm-hmm. And I can remember thinking, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, and behind that, you end up with all that kind of stuff going on. Like the only way you can control it is through like using drugs and, yeah. you know, restriction and I guess probably and so feeling excessive movement. Exactly. And feeling completely ill in my head I I can't even just you know knowing that I was thin so there was like yay I'm thin but then the other part of me was just like oh but my god you're so sad and so broken Mm. were you getting a lot of external validation at that time like is that so much external validation buzz I used to get a compliment about being thin Mm. oh oh my god like it can even thinking back putting myself back into that energy space and remembering those things, it makes my soul feel soothed in that moment. Remembering the relief I felt. Oh, I'm. Oh, it's okay. I'm thin now. Yeah, I'm accepted. I'm seen. <sighs> mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think the magic bit to all of this is that you never actually are thin enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even when I got there, or whatever there was, I still was like, well, actually, I need to lose lose, lose more weight yeah Mm. and and was there also simultaneously the fear of how do I keep this off oh god all the time every day every day and I used to blame my body for not being a good body because if I had a good body it wouldn't maintain and retain weight the way it does Mm -hmm. yeah it was failing you by yeah 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 about that point though because you were talking about how like you know the 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 breakdown of relationship and then you kind of go all in against your body to to change it and make it that says what were your relationships like in that version of you um erratic nuts um very high very low um loads of boys then no boys um really 
like I look back now and go blimey a little bit unhinged mm. it didn't give you that kind of connection like with you know you weren't no I guess sure as hell I sure as hell didn't meet Prince Charming no yeah and how did you like I'm interested to know how did that start to unravel like where how did you sort of dig your way out of that what was the turning point or was there a lot longer to go before well, that kind of there, happened sadly there was a lot longer to go I things shifted I grew kind of life moved on um I then had a you know went back to live with my parents all of those things it's all still going on all the same theme you know eating not eating working out like a lunatic not working out at all generally not wearing clothes that I want to wear wearing what I think makes me look skinny or thinner or more flattering um and then I met my first husband And that really was a case of me going, this is the the best it's ever going to be. There was no spark. Um, And I just thought, well, you know what? He wants to settle down. He wants to buy a house. He wants to have children. He wants to get married. He wants to do all these things. So therefore, this this must be it. And this is what girls that can't control their weight, you know, girls that are out of control, girls that um, you know, this is just what happens. You just end up with whatever is offered to you. So it was right back to that age 16 thought process all over again. And that was your belief going on in your mind. This is, this is what I'm, this is what I deserve. This is all I can have. This is all I get yeah. because a girl like me. Yeah. For a girl like me, people, one of the phrases I used to say a lot was, um, you know, like people like us, people like mm. us. Yeah. Know. Anything, you know, even things like sex, it wasn't about um, sex being pleasurable or sex being a something that connected you with your body. It was the complete opposite of that. Mm. Because you should be grateful. Right, yeah. Do you mind me asking, um, you mentioned you're in sex, so it wasn't something that connected you or that was pleasurable. Would you say that you disconnected then from your body during mm. sex and and it was just an obli- it sounds like an obligation it was absolutely that yeah yeah it was in the early days to make boys like me more mm-hmm. um and then as I got older it just became something that I did because by this point I was in a committed relationship and was getting married and then you know all that comes with that so it wasn't like you didn't feel like you could ask to have your needs met. You weren't no. thinking about what your needs even were, I guess, at that it sounds like. Well, the, the really interesting thing about that was that I did know what my needs were, but I absolutely did not have the voice to ask for them. And that was generally a real that was a real hot topic for me throughout my entire up until my kind of early 30s where things shifted. Um, I always knew what my needs were, but I never asked for them in any mm. way, shape or form, whether that was in friendships, relationships, jobs, because I should just be fucking grateful to be there. In your marriage at the time, like kind of what led you to get to the point where that started to break down? What was the... So my first marriage was exceptionally toxic. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always said that I'd never say more than I want my daughter to hear because she's 14. Um, it was a very complex relationship um, to say, you know, the, it ended very badly. Um, he wasn't able to understand in a 
clear way that the marriage was over, which ended in um, court orders and things like that. So it was a very tough time. And I think that kind of gives you an idea of what was going on um, when we were together. Um, but it was when my daughter, who's um, four, she'd be 14 in August, when she was born, I something really shifted because I absolutely loved being pregnant. I loved it. Not because of that I could eat what I liked concept, any of those things. I just loved it. <laughs> it's like I could be, I could be pregnant forever. I loved it. Um, and then when she was born, something shifted. And I can remember we had this brown leather sofa and I can remember sitting on it and looking at her and, and saying to her, literally saying to her out loud, I want you to be so confident in your body. I want you to love yourself so much that you're borderline arrogant. And she could have been no more than about three or four weeks old. Mm -hmm. And and then I and, and then it was obviously not as straightforward as that. I then was like, well, how am I going to do that? Because if I'm looking at my body all the time, covering it up, hiding it, I, that's not going to, mm -hmm. that's not okay. Yeah. Um. Pivotal moment though, absolute pivotal moment, which I will never forget. And is a really, it was after the marriage had ended, I was living in my new house. I was so happy. Yes, I mean, I was exceptionally happy because I'd lost stone as a result of my marriage ending and it being really stressful. So I was like, oh my God, I need to be in more ended relation. And actually people said to me, oh, you know, the divorce diet, always a good one. Um, nothing like heartbreak to make you at, uh, for your waistline to shrink you know wow. all of that from everyone so you you're know, back in that loop of validation again yeah completely like and so then I did I went back to I went to Weight Watchers <laughs> obviously yeah <laughs> and so it, it's like again it's this cycle were you but in it, that kind of I've got to keep this off oh god yeah and I used to be like so stressed out it was unbelievable I was like living for Friday weigh-in at 12 o'clock and me and Esme used to walk to the weigh-in to give myself those extra few calories off, you know, in the walk mm -hmm. from my house to the weigh-in. Um, and it would really dictate my whole weekend. Whether I'd gained or lost would dictate what my weekend was going to be like and how happy I was going to be. Mm, yeah. um, and then I dated somebody really random um, and it was just shit. He's not shit. It was just a shit situation. And he was already, I was kind of, kind of chatting with myself going, look, you don't have to, I know he's not this, but that's okay because you're not that. So, you know, you've just got to learn to compromise and not and tolerate. And some of his, it was a few, it was a few short weeks. Um, and I persevered and persevered. And then one day, um, it was a Thursday lunchtime. And she sent me a text saying, you're one of the nicest people I've ever met, um, but I can't see you anymore. And I was like, right, OK. And uh, he I said, oh, could have done it over the phone. And he came back. He went, yeah, the problem is that you're just not fanciable. Wow. Oh, wow. And I raged. I raged so bad inside myself. Mm. It was genuinely, I never really believed in moments. I thought it was all a bit, do you know, a bit icky. It was a moment. I, I, I raged. I thought, no, no fucking, no way. 
not again, never again, never. This is not ever going to happen ever again. Mm. I was 32 at the time, so it was 11 years. No, more than that. Got to be more than that. 31. Um, I was like, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to fucking feel like this ever again. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but this is not okay. <laughs> yeah. There was something in the way that he said that those exact words that sounds less like he individually is not attracted to you as an individual, but the way he said that sounded like you're not attractive to anyone. Yep. Absolutely. Then that's how I read it. Yeah. Yeah. How did that affect you then after that moment? Did you, which way did you go? That's going to either, I, in my mind, I'm thinking that's going to give you either less confidence or more, or you're going to come back and go, no, you're wrong. I went straight into therapy. Literally, the third, or that was the Thursday. And by the following Friday, I was seeing a, I was in therapy. Yeah. Um, and I was a single parent. So money was tight. So I used to do this really shit cleaning job on a Monday that I really hated. Like I hated it. It was gross, but it meant I could pay for my therapy on a Friday. Mm. Um, and it didn't impact me in Esme's finances. That was my biggest thing. Like I had to, I had to make sure everything was all right for her and I. And um, after about four sessions, and again, it's another moment I've never forgotten. Um, I was sat on um, the therapist. She had a sofa, cream sofa with a throw over it. And um, I was talking but I wasn't going there and then this one day I just buried my head on the side of this sofa like that way so that I couldn't see and she went what's the matter and I went I just absolutely hate myself sorry that's made me really yeah. emotional yeah <laughs> and, and she said what do you hate what to use your words what do you hate and I said everything I hate my body I hate my face I hate who I am I hate how I talk I hate everything God, it's really emotional. I've never talked, I've yeah. never gone back to it like this. Um, Take your time. And with her amazing, it was per- person focused therapy, and with her amazing and gentle and intuitive guidance, I was able to start to heal and start to understand that I did deserve what I wanted and um that I wasn't not good enough because I wasn't a size and I wasn't not a good person because I couldn't sustain going to the gym for two hours a day and live off one fish cake you know yeah that's so powerful (laughs) oh bless you take your time (laughs) that's come totally out the blue um it does (laughs) it catches you yeah um and so yeah the healing process started and it's never linear you know I say that to my clients coming through separation and whatever they're going through you it's never it's not just here you are and now you're going to feel great about yourself it's like here you are and then here's a massive fucking trip and it's going to be up and down and you're going to feel days where you don't want to don't even want to move let alone get out of bed you know and that's not just inside the therapy session that's that's all the time yeah (laughs) Yeah. and plus it sounds like you were kind of rebuilding from scratch you were finding out who you were from scratch Mm. because it sounded like from what you were saying about growing up and you know being kind of you know like the party person like the the identities that you kind of absorbed along the way were falling away 
Yeah. And you were kind of going, well, if that's not my identity anymore, that's not my identity anymore, I'm no longer a people pleaser, what am I? Where, mm. where, who, who is yeah. Becca? Yeah. yeah, and and I didn't tell anybody that I was having therapy. I felt massively ashamed of it. Yeah. So I was going through all of that, but not telling anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such brave work stepping into that arena you know, when you've got such strong self-loathing, like you said, and choosing to figure it out, knowing, like no one goes into therapy thinking that it's going to be a quick fix, right? Mm -mm. It is about getting to know yourself and understand yourself better and hopefully developing some compassion um, as you do that. And that's really, really hard. It's almost like you cut yourself open and 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 let the light shine in and it's so hard at times Mm. but it sounds like it's you know Tams and I talk about this in the podcast all the time what I'm hearing from you is you spent a couple of decades trying to resolve this this problem this thing Mm. you saw as a problem by trying to fix it by trying (laughs) to shrink by Mm -hmm. trying to change how you look Mm -hmm. in order to please other people and to please yourself. And that didn't end well, right? It's so, you know, to try and shrink a human body to change how we feel about ourselves and to feel confident and um, not just confident, but worthy, worthy Worthy. of Mm. love and acceptance and respect in all areas, not just relationships. but it is really healing that actually ends up helping us find those things, mm. not, not modifying and shrinking and changing our, ourselves. It's discovering that all along oh. we were actually good enough. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, and as, as a result of that, absolutely everything changed. Everything changed. I shed some people. Mm-hmm. I shed people, not not weight. Mm. <laughs> um, I, um, you know, I was just so much. I suddenly could I suddenly could feel happy, and I could look in the mirror, which for some people is like not even a thing, but for me that was so hard so hard to look in the mirror I can't even tell you I mean like any anything to do with therapy and journey and self-reflection and knowing who you are yes I had massive blips um and I think that's what's really important for people to understand you do you you've had this thought process for so long how can you possibly just in like I don't know six months suddenly it all be different it's not possible Mm-hmm. and um one of the funniest ones I was saying to Tamsin when we were having lunch a couple of weeks ago um when my husband so my husband Chris um who we've been we've been together 10 years now when he came into the picture um we didn't sleep together for ages and um I can remember a couple of nights before it happened I was wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> and he said something and I was like you do realize that like this body is just kind of this body like there's no it's I'm not all much because he's he's really into fitness my husband like you I cannot it, I can't describe to you how much he is into fitness he's not into skinny or he never has never been on a set of scales in his life he just loves sport 
and for him that's like where his his heart is and that's where he fills himself up and um I was really worried because obviously you know at that point he was training marathon running thingies so I was thinking oh shit like he's gonna he's gonna take this sweatshirt off because obviously you can't see your body under a sweatshirt can you tell him we were talking about this <laughs> we were talking um, about this weren't we about like yeah. <laughs> nobody um, knows what you look like if you've got a big sweatshirt on yeah you can't see and he was like I don't understand like I he was like you're hot you're really hot and it kind of it absolutely with the influence that Chris has had 100% that's been a huge eye-opener because the reason why I wouldn't go out with him to start with because I I still didn't feel good enough Mm -hmm. I, I was like well you know he's a runner He's got, you know, he's got a successful career. He's got his own house. He's got his own car. You know, he's got no baggage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm um, five. I still defined myself. You know, I was five for eight. Um, I'm a big girl. I don't do sport. Um, I love cooking and I love eating. I've, I'm a, you know, single parent. Divorced with a very tricky divorce behind me. Mm-hmm. Like, what would he possibly, why would he want to come into that? Mm-hmm. But you know they say the proof's in the pudding here we are all these yeah. years later and it also speaks to this idea that you can do um healing whether it's therapy or coaching in isolation but it's in relationship where a lot of healing can be done oh so much done within that, that relationship sounds, yeah it sounds like he's really helped you on that journey he really has and I continued my therapy mm-hmm. I didn't stop I kept going. It was vital. So I kept going for three years, which I know to some people feels like either really indulgent. I've had people say to me, because I did start to talk about it. Um, But one thing Chris did so perfectly, he never asked me what was going on in therapy ever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would tell him and go, oh, do you know what's really weird? This came up today and blah, blah, blah. Or this happened. Oh, this is really interesting. And I'd, I'd go into it, but he never asked me. Mm-hmm. And that was, I, I felt that was so important. Yeah. And, and because it was my space, it had nothing to do with him, nothing to do with Ez. It was just to do with me. It sounds so respectful, like the way, and I think maybe something you weren't used to. No. Having somebody who respected your space and somebody oh. who... Um, validated you as a person but didn't need you or they weren't trying to like complete part of you and you're not trying to complete part of them it's like a totally different scenario it sounds like from previous oh my god anything before that it was so different from everything before you know to the point where he wouldn't sleep with me and not because he didn't fancy me but because he was like, look, when you feel like this is the right, you know, when you feel like it's right, then that's cool. But let, there's no, there's no rush. I'm not going anywhere. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, ah, what is this? Yeah, I haven't got to change myself and cling on to the relationship. I haven't no. got to do everything it takes. And it's I like used a- to sit with no makeup on and like just hang out with no bra on and you know all of those things which I just had never done because I would have to be fully made up you know even if that meant getting up at 6am in the morning so they didn't see me when they woke up do do you know what I mean like real crazy shit like that yeah um and suddenly Chris was there kind of going yeah you're good like you're all good there's something about being in a bigger body that um 
when we believe that that's a failing or a flaw or, you know, some kind of character impairment, we tend to make up for it in other areas. And when I heard you say about getting up at 6am to put makeup on, it's like, well, I, I can only get away with being a big girl if when we wake up together in bed, I'm, I'm perfect in every way. Right. Makeup, my hair, you know, all of it. Um, I really resonate with that a lot. It's like, I've got to make up. I've got to make up for the areas that I fall down. Oh, God, yeah. But it sounds like in your current relationship, you could really just, you just really be yourself. Well, yeah. And one of the funniest things is Chris is the same. Chris and I have the same height. We're both five foot eight. He's a snidge over five eight. And um, I can remember having a bonkers moment where I thought, fuck. I'm never going to be able to wear high heels again. <laughs> and I was like, and then my legs won't look long. And then I won't look tall. And, and oh, you know, like, and, <laughs> and I was like, what shit is that? Because I found high heels really uncomfortable. Like okay. I really didn't enjoy wearing them, but I wore them all the same. And I haven't worn high heels for 10 years. Well, about three times in 10 years. And I am so good with that. I cannot tell you. On my wedding day, I wore bare feet you know that freedom yeah you can just take away those those rules that we have around what we should be in a relationship with other people oh my god and especially in a big body Mm. you know I'm Chris is the perfect example of that he's I could only ever go out with men over six foot two Mm -hmm. because I'm five foot eight Mm -hmm. what the logic is nobody fucking knows but, you know, we're, here we are. I think we're conditioned as uh, as women to feel like we should be the smaller one. We should be the daintier oh. one. In order to be feminine, we need to be, you know, thinner and, and more delicate than our, yeah. than our partner, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that shows up in all kinds of ways. I hear a lot of clients say how wrong it feels to be eating the same portion sizes oh, husband or, or more or sometimes or more right because that's not what we're led to believe that women eat less mm. um and that you know we and it's just all social construct no exactly and I mean all of those things all of that was all a thing and being dainty mm-hmm. yeah being dainty oh my god and actually do you know what I'm not dainty and I completely own that. Mm-hmm. I, I and I'm so proud of the fact that I'm not dainty because for so many millions of years I had to be. I was, you know, oh, I wish I was dainty. Oh, it must be lovely to be dainty. Oh, it must be so lovely to be so small like that. Blah, 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 blah. Like honestly, I'm not dainty, but I'm really strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. so physically strong, and I'm also like wildly flexible. I've always practiced yoga and Pilates, and I. And I danced, believe it, but I danced as a child until I was like 17. And all of those things have led to me having a super flexible body. Do you mind uh, me asking, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you don't need to mention numbers here, but in terms of body size, I'm always really curious about how we talk on this podcast that we we do have the ability to change our mindset around this kind of stuff. We have the ability to change the beliefs that we have about ourselves the stories that we hold um 
and we can start to feel better in the bodies we inhabit and it's and our body can stay exactly the same or our body can grow um Mm -hmm. it's not about becoming thinner to feel better about ourselves what in terms of body size would you say you are now are you um in a, a a smaller body than when you kind of began this journey a bigger body roughly the same and 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 you know, I, I guess I'm speaking to how maybe your mindset has changed over your body size. Mm-hmm. My body size is bigger. My body size is bigger. Um, my mindset, I, I, I really can't put my finger on it. I'm just really, I'm just really happy in it. It, it does all the things that I want it to do. And how does that show up in your life how you live your life what feels different about being at ease in your body what feels easier everything feels easier absolutely everything feels easier because you're not stressing you're not worrying all the time what do I look like is this flattering does this do you buy clothes that fit you you know you you buy the clothes that fit you and you don't worry about whether it's a horizontal or a vertical stripe you don't wonder whether it's a big print or a small print. you buy what you like now I love clothes I love fashion that's a big thing for me so I will I am aware like for example I always wear um like those snack you know the snack tights chub rubs mm, changed yeah. my life love them I love them um so I wear a lot of dresses and skirts now I would never have worn a dress or skirt if my life had depended on it like you could I would never have done it it's fair to say you don't you don't wear you wear things that just fit you really and and you have no quite you know you're showing off your shape you know you're mm-hmm. you're not wearing things that cover you up like you used to which by the sounds mm. of it your your fashion style has changed because obviously I didn't know you back yeah. then but it sounds like you used to wear things that would cover up and that were bigger yeah. um and there's nothing wrong with that but it sounds like your mindset has shifted in terms of like not thinking oh I can't wear that because I am a certain size absolutely it, it's that it's that um and you know yeah I mean I don't I don't believe in sizes as far as clothes go it was like yesterday we were at sports day and somebody said oh I don't know what size to order what size what size not what size are you or I don't know what size I am and I was like I'm not any size I'm whatever fits me and you know in one shop that could be a size in another shop that could be a t- I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm not uncomfortable, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Order three sizes and see which one. I you do know, the same. Send the my... others back. To finish up, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about all the people who are listening to the podcast who are maybe struggling and really wants to stop this strategy of fixing and embark on a healing journey. What, what would your words be to them? sorry to put you on the spot no 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 not at all um I would say the work starts inside of you start understand start looking properly at what it is you don't like and understanding why you don't like it Mm -hmm. yeah that was the biggest starting point for me yeah yeah I think that would be my and then just get the fuck on with it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're you're right. I think a lot of people sit on that fence thinking that something is going to change, but nothing changes unless you make a change, right? You, oh. You've got to do something different to feel and be something different. So um, thanks for coming on and being so open and vulnerable and sharing what is a deeply personal story with all of us. I'm sure... Mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people listening feeling really seen and heard. I hope so. That if I can do anything, I want people to feel really heard mm-hmm. um, and really cherished and really loved. And if I, you know, I, I always, that's something really personal to me as a woman. I want, I always want people to feel like that. Yeah. You know, I always want that so yeah you 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 are you are enough and you're worthy and you're yeah just just start loving the body that you've got thank you so much you're welcome it's a dream